I don't know what is spookier, watching creepy movies before bedtime or watching my molting chickens coming out of the coop. My flock is looking a little rough these days as they replace their feathers, but Grubbly Farms Grubblies are coming to the rescue to get my flock through this not-so-pretty part of chicken keeping. While molting is a natural process for chickens, there's no reason not to help them out during this creepy-looking time. Grubblies are packed full of protein and calcium, which will support your feathered friends as they grow their feathers back in. No need to switch feeds, just add grubblies. So head on over to grubblyfarms.com and use code DRINKANDFARM20 to get 20% off your first order. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things. Woo! <laughs> oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking today? So I just opened a Masthead Brewing Haunted Hayride Pumpkin Ale. Oh. And it's an extra large can. It's delicious. Yes, it is. Uh, Masthead is a brewery in Cleveland. And they are delicious, so I'm a fan. Very festive of you. Yes, yes. So what did you open over there? So I opened a Blake's Hard Cider Apple Lantern. It's got a spooky can, but it is a roasted pumpkin hard cider. And this is part of that get the bushel thing that I've talked about a few times, too. So I like that got such variety in that pack because, like, I don't, like, need a 12-pack of this, but (laughs) I wouldn't complain if I had a 12-pack of it either. But it's just really delicious and seasonal, easy to drink. So highly recommend, even after Halloween. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. Our drink peep this episode is Jenny back, and she is a new drink peep. So welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. And we can also thank Jenny because now there is one more episode coming out per month because all of our drink spots are filled. So now we're releasing six episodes a month again. So everybody tell Jenny thanks. Yeah. Rejoice. (laughs) More content for you. Yeah. That's right. So it looks like we have some follow-up this week. Yes, yes, we do have some follow-up this week. And the follow-up is all about the scarecrows and more specifically the Japanese Kakashi scarecrows. Oh, tell me more. Yeah, so this is actually really interesting and I'm kind of wondering, so part of me is kind of wondering if like the unpenned history of scarecrows is just that most of the scarecrow folklore is from Japanese culture. And so that's why they say it's unpenned because it wasn't, you know, like from the dominant culture at the time, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There is going to be a link in the show notes to this really cool blog post. It's called Japanese Mythology and Folklore. And it's specifically about these Kakashi. 
And there's actually a really long history of Kakashi. Oh, cool. And some of it's really, you know, like similar, you know, they're out there very specifically to protect crops from the crows and, you know, other things that go and eat crops. And they're made out of things like rotten (laughs) vegetables or food and all sorts of really scary things. Actually, the word Kakashi is actually derived from a meaning of something that smells hideously awful. Oh, nice. So that's what Kakashi means. (laughs) And there are tons of fascinating tales and legends surrounding the use and the character of the Kakashi in the rice fields in Japan. So if anyone wants to dive a little further into that, there is a link in the show notes. This blog post is so long, we could have done an entire podcast episode just about Kakashi. (laughs) And there's also some folklore in here about Kabiku, which is the deity that can't walk that was Mm -hmm. mentioned in that Modern Farmer episode that we used last episode. And so it's really fascinating. I just, I have to recommend everybody go see. I was trying to pick a favorite story from it to tell (laughs) during the follow-up, but there was just like so much I couldn't decide. (laughs) Nice. All right. So speaking of Modern Farmer, our source for today's episode is again from modernfarmer.com. And it's an article from 2016, all about Halloween's agricultural roots. Oh, ah, so we're excited to talk through that today since it's almost Halloween. It's my favorite holiday, even though I don't really have anywhere to go and I'm not going to dress up. But but I still love it. So I guess we can just dive right in. Funny sidebar really quick. I usually don't dress up for Halloween. I love Halloween, but I just like, I just don't really do anything for it. But this year I will be dressing up only because the dress rehearsal for my ghost walk is the same night as beggars night. (laughs) Oh, nice. So we're going to get in our like full dress rehearsal you know, get up and then take the kids to beggar's night, take a break during beggar's night to go do the dress rehearsal and then go back out. (laughs) I love it. It's perfect. All right. So Halloween's ancient roots are as much about agriculture as it is scary costumes and jack-o'-lanterns. So it was believed the Halloween's origins lie in the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, which was celebrated from October 31st into November 1st, marking the end of the harvest season and the beginning of winter, which boo winter. Can I just tell you how relieved I am now to know how to pronounce Samhain or Samhain? <laughs> it's Samhain. Samhain. Oh my Sowin. gosh. I have pronounced that word wrong probably a dozen times on this podcast. Oh, me too. Every yeah. time it showed up, uh, I think I was calling it Sam Hine. Because that's yeah. how it's spelled phonetically, but it is so in, like as in you are sowing seeds in <laughs> into the ground, even though we're harvesting them. <laughs> it doesn't sound like what it looks like at all. Yeah. I think we did a straight no chaser where we said Sam Hine. We both mm-hmm. did it. So there's our mini corrections corner for our, our fun friends over at the Patreon that listen to <laughs> our straight no chasers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So Samhain was a time of the year for the Celtic peoples of England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Northern France, and Brittany to bring their cattle from summer pasture to slaughter. 
And it was also a time to slaughter the livestock that probably wouldn't make it through the long, cold, hard winter because you couldn't have sickly, you know, livestock that likely couldn't survive those conditions. And they would also hold celebratory feasts to consume the meat and other foods that would easily spoil during this time because this was life before refrigeration. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And this was also a time for fairs, regional markets and assemblies, and the brewing of mead and beer following the harvesting of grains. We're all about that. Love Mm -hmm. that for us. So our modern conception of Halloween is based on this Celtic belief that so in what is a time when the boundaries between our world and the other world, a place inhibited by the dead and the supernatural creatures like fairies, monsters, demons, and the like were lowered. So the inhabitants of the other world could make their way to our world and unsuspecting humans could find themselves in the other world by accident or trickery. Villagers would dress in frightening outfits to try to fool these dark and dangerous creatures thought to be roaming around at night. Which is really funny because, and I'm wearing a Hocus Pocus shirt. You can't sit with us and it's the Sanderson sisters. So, and it's funny because I was kind of watching it the other day and it's like, they are out at Halloween night and they're wandering around and they're just like so confused by all these people trick-or-treating. So it's like, technically, it works. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. It totally works. That's hilarious. And when you talked about humans accidentally finding themselves in the other world, I was immediately reminded of Harry Potter, the episode where Sirius accidentally went through the arch because the arch was like the barrier to the other world, but you couldn't come back once you ended up on the other side. That was basically your death. So, (laughs) don't do that. Oh, hey, Bev, it's my favorite time of year and the month of my favorite holiday, Halloween. I know you appreciate a good horror movie and some jump scares, but I know neither of us appreciates those scary, creepy, crawly bugs hiding in our coops and barns now that the weather has totally cooled down. And this is why we always stock up on First Saturday Lime. First Saturday Lime is our go-to pest repellent that is safe, effective, and organic, And it has an amazing subscription program that ships a 20-pound bag of First Saturday Lime to your door before the first Saturday of the month. And it always ships free. You can also just buy one bag at a time. So you can go to firstsaturdaylime.com, and if you use code DRINKANDFARM, you will get 20% off at checkout. All right, so in Scotland... Sewin was a night of chaos when young men would dress up in costumes to impersonate the spirits of the dead. And when they did this, they would pull pranks on people and they would generally cause a ruckus like, I guess, young men in costumes do. (laughs) I mean, I would venture to say that the young ladies also could cause a ruckus too, but probably depends on the time period yeah i mean if it was if they were allowed <laughs> i was gonna say if it was 1800s they were not allowed i have been watching all the period things and that just looked no fun no ruckus for you <laughs> no so in ireland turnips would be carved and used as lanterns which gave rise to our modern practice of carving jack-o'-lanterns which i don't mm. think a turnip 
probably has the same heartwarming feeling as a jack-o'-lantern from a pumpkin, but that could just be ingrained in me <laughs> culturally. <laughs> well, and they probably look kind of scary because aren't turnips white? Are they? I, I don't know. Think I think so. I guess I don't really eat turnips, so I don't no. know. Someone that eats turnips, tell me what color they are, but I'm pretty yeah. sure they're like these white bulby types of root vegetables with like yeah. lots of leaves. Yes. Yeah. Like a big white radish. Mm-hmm. Basically. That's what I'm picturing in my head, yeah. but I could be wrong. You can tell I don't Carved. eat turnips. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) In Wales, food and drink would be left out for the dead, which may have led to the idea of giving treats to costume folks representing the dearly departed. This was an interesting bit of information, too, because I never understood the whole bobbing for apples thing. But apparently bobbing for apples was a way to predict who you would marry derived from a long held belief by the Celtic people that apples could be used for fortune telling. Interesting. Yes. So there is some conjecture that ties between apples and Halloween going all the way back to the Roman conquest of Britain that began in 43 AD. It's a long time ago. Women were definitely not causing a ruckus then. No, no, they were not. A Roman harvest festival dedicated to Pomona, the goddess of abundance and orchards, thought to be celebrated on November 1st, may have somehow merged with the festivities of Sowen. Many scholars dispute this, believing this idea was based on a misreading of an early Roman text that described a fest that was actually held in August for Pomona's godly consort, Oh, gosh. Vortumnus? Vertumnus. Vertumnus. That sounds a lot better. And Vertumnus was the deity associated with the changing of the seasons and the harvest. What we can say for sure is that the Romans brought their love for apples and a superior knowledge of how to cultivate fruit trees with them to the British Isles. So that's where the apple bobbing came from. Interesting. I'm so glad that's not how we pick life partners anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Could you imagine? And Christianity began making some inroads in the Celtic world as early as the first century AD, but it didn't really take off until Constantine the Great began championing the religion around 312 AD, which helped to spread Christianity throughout the empire. And as the Catholic Church began supplanting various older religions, Christian holidays were often superimposed on the dates of traditional pagan ones. So if you've ever noticed the overlap, that would be the history behind that. That was on purpose. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was on purpose. And the reason why they did that was because a lot of people are super into their traditions They Mm -hmm. like the things that they do. Traditions give us a feeling of comfort and a feeling of normalcy. And whenever you're making a cultural change, like a religious cultural change, to make it more palatable for people, it's easier to just, you know, put things together and make them feel familiar. So it's believed by some scholars that was the case with Sewin with the introduction by the Church of All Hallows' Eve on October 31st. All Hallows' Day, more commonly known as All Saints' Day on November 1st, and All Souls' Day on November 2nd. But in Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, remnants of the earlier Celtic traditions remained alongside the Christian holidays. 
So these traditions eventually came to the United States, and by the early 20th century, Halloween had become a secular holiday, mostly for the young, with trick-or-treating used as a way to, you know, keep the kids from pranking and vandalizing things, which had very much been associated with the night. (laughs) Yeah, Halloween was always kind of associated with a ruckus. Yes. That's that's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) And you know, one holiday that wasn't mentioned in here, but might actually overlap with All Souls Day, is Dia de los Muertos, which is traditionally practiced in Mexico. I do believe that it is a primarily Catholic type of holiday, if I'm remembering right. I might be Mm -hmm. incorrect on that. But there's a really great kids movie that I really love and that all the adults I've ever told about loved. And if anyone wants to know more about Dia de los Muertos, The Book of Life is a movie that I highly recommend you watch. My kids loved it, and I still love it too. In fact, I should watch it this week with them. (laughs) I think Dios de los Muertos is one of those holidays that religion got sucked into to do like that hybrid thing. I could be wrong, but if I'm remembering from some past research, because it is kind of a darker (laughs) thing, but they also have like the spiritual aspect linked into Catholicism to kind of tie it all in together. So somebody can fact track me on that if that's wrong. But I think that's what I've read previously. Yeah, it's a really beautiful holiday. And that movie does a really good job of kind of explaining Mm -hmm. how it happens. And I thought about it because last night I went to a local, we have a speakeasy in town. Yes, I saw your story and I meant to say something. Yes, so it's, uh, shoot, I forgot the name of the drink already. I think it's a Dia de los Muertos Sour. It's got bourbon in it, uh, marigold tea, uh, a splash of Malbec on top of it, some lemon and lime Mm. mixed in there. It's a really good drink. But I was over there because I was dropping off a bag of marigolds to her because she needs more marigolds for marigold tea. And so she's going to come here and pillage all the rest of my marigolds because I haven't had time to pick them for her. So she's just going to come take them all. And I'm like, yes, please do, because I will feel good if they get to go into a fancy drink. Yes, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's really cool. So that was why I was out on a Monday night at a speakeasy drinking liquor. (laughs) Well, I kind of thought that, too. I'm like... Because I have no sense of time right now. So I was like, what day of the week is it? Bev is like living her best life. Like that was my thought. was like, she's just killing it lately. (laughs) Just at a bar, nine o'clock on a Monday. (laughs) For a good reason. Was. And it was farming related. Yes. I had no idea that marigolds would be the thing that got harvested the most and used the most from my farm this year. But... Here we are. Right, though? Like, mine still look great, too, because mm-hmm. we had, like, a partial frost, but we haven't had a hard frost yet, and they're still, they're living their best lives in my garden still. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. So, just to wrap this up, I know we talked a lot about sewing and other traditions, but it's important to remember that Halloween actually was born from a celebration of agriculture, and that's pretty neat. Which is why we decided to talk about that today, because we want to be seasonal, but also keep it agricultural around here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's We Can't Even Corner now. Yay. So, Bev, is there something you can't even about this week? Yes. So I just realized that talking about the marigolds thing was going to be my can't even, and I spoiled that already. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered. (laughs) 
That's okay, though. So tell us more, though. Tell us more, if you will, about how that connection was made. Like, how somebody, like, put out a Craigslist, like, I need marigolds, and Bev's like, hey, I got you. Like, how did the, how did that happen? So her name is Tara. She owns the bar. And she's actually one of our friends, so we know her. We know her through friends. So oh. she, we're friends with her through friends. And we go to Steiner Speakeasy is the name of her bar all the time. And she's actually an award-winning mixologist. And her bar Ooh. is really special because all of the drinks that she makes, everything that goes into them is handcrafted. So she makes all the syrups, wow. all the sauces, all the mixes, everything. And she has two drinks that have won awards. One of them is that Los Muertos Sour, the one that we just talked about. And that's why she needs more marigolds is because she's supposed to take it somewhere to be judged. Ooh. And so she needs like all the marigolds. <laughs> she, apparently she has to make a lot of them. And she makes a marigold tea out of the marigolds is what she's doing and puts the pretty ones in as a garnish. And then the other one is I Love You Elote, which is a drink that is made with a Mexican street corn syrup. So elote is just Spanish for corn. Um, But whenever I order elote, what I mean is that I want street corn. And street corn is sweet corn that is covered in a really great mixture of mayonnaise and lime juice. And then you sprinkle chili powder on it. So you can get, Mm. uh, I think it's called tamarind from the grocery store. It's that chili Mm -hmm. vegetable fruit mix that you can put on it. And that's one of the things that you can put on it. That's what's used in the drink. But I actually mm. buy a seasoning from Trader Joe's just called like elote and it's got like the chili and the lime and like some cheese and stuff in it and you like sprinkle it on your sweet corn. And, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's one of the things that held over from growing up in the Southwest, essentially. Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and that drink is really delicious. It's one of my favorites. She still has it on her menu. So if anyone's local to me, they can go to Steiner Speakeasy and still order that I love you a lote drink. I don't know when she's going to take it off, but I wish I could find sweet corn, simple syrup, but I can't. So I'm thinking of trying to make some though. <laughs> yeah. Do it. <laughs> So what is your can't even this week? So mine is that we first, or we processed our first, I'll call it like subset Mm. of meat birds last weekend. I think on the last episode I talked about like, oh, we're behind, but it's fine because these chickens are great because they just keep growing, but they're not like breaking the legs (laughs) or anything like that. So my husband and I decided, well, let's try to get through at least a couple to see like what in our setup works, what doesn't work so well, and just kind of like rip the bandaid off and do it because we haven't processed meat birds before and we were going to take them to a processor to have them done. (laughs) But not only are they backed up like a couple months but they just raise their prices oh, too. Yeah. Which I don't blame them. But now it's like I will not be taking no. these <laughs> to them at this point because it's just not with the cost, with the rising cost of feed, at least right now. Hopefully it goes back down someday. But it's almost like an additional $2 bag, depending on what you're buying. And their price, I think, went up a dollar a oh. bird, which isn't terrible. But it's an increase, and when you're taking, like, 30 birds in, that's another $30. 
And when, you know, you're like me and you can't take them right away and you're feeding them an extra $30 a week right now, like, you know, it, so it's, it's a good skill to learn. And I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it. But after watching like some YouTube videos, I was like, okay, let's just go do it. My husband did all of the calling this time because I did all of the oh, gutting. Yeah. <laughs> it's gutting. Because my hands are smaller than his. He's got big hands. So fitting it up a chicken probably wouldn't be super cozy for him. So we did the, you know, the culling part. And then you scald. And then you put it in the chicken plucker. Which highly recommend a chicken plucker. Oh my god. Worth every penny. If you want to keep the skin on your birds. Like there were still some feathers on it. We just ripped them off. Not a big deal. But I did get some videos. My plan is we're going to try to finish them this week. We're going to try to get some videos of our setup improvements because we did order butter Mm -hmm. knives. We ordered this cool like sink setup because I said, oh, my God, I would kill to have a sink right (laughs) now. (laughs) Because we're like taking the hose between filling up the scalding pot and then connecting it to the chicken plucker and then just having it disconnecting it to clean out the bird and then wash our hands like it just adds on a lot of time so we got this cool sink set up and it's stainless steel and there's enough room for me to process the birds on there we might get a bigger scalding pot but what I'm actually using right now is my ball bath canning bath water Mm -hmm. thing that I got because it gets hot enough and it's super easy to control the temperature and then I had the first bird and like I cut off the legs because I was like, this part's easy. And then it was like, I forgot everything I learned on the internet and my hands are already dirty. So I'm taking like Clorox wipes and like wiping my hands and like looking up Mm -hmm. videos. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So like the first bird probably took me like 30 minutes to gut. Because I just was super like not wanting to cut anything and having poo everywhere. But it turns out, like, it's harder to break that stuff open than Mm -hmm. you would think. But by the end of it, I was, like, gutting a bird in, like, two minutes. Good. Yeah, it does get easier. Yes. And I was like, this isn't grossing me out. Like, it was a little weird the first time. Like, because it's warm, guys. Like, you're putting your hand up a bird and it's like, oh, my God, it's warm. This thing was just running around my yard. Uh, Like, but once you kind of get over that, then it was not a big deal. And then we just threw them in a cooler and then a couple hours later dragged them all in the house and quartered them all, which was very time consuming. But it's so nice to just have the parts that I want separated. So, and I got a vacuum sealer too. I'll link to that one I have in the show notes because it works super well. Oh, awesome. So nice. But yeah, so we have probably like 20, a little over 20 more to do. But I think with our little improvements... And what we learned, like, it'll go much faster. Because it took us, like, I'd say we were out there for, like, three hours. And we did, like, ten birds. That's not too bad. I think. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll try to see if we can pick up our speed a little bit. (laughs) I'm going to just do some whole chickens this time, too. um, Yeah. Just because there is nice value in that. But, man, that's a lot of birds. But I already contacted our... Our friend Kendra over at Meyer Hatchery with my next round order to put in and turkeys. Oh, nice. Can't put turkeys in a plucker, but I feel like I could. Oh, I didn't know that you couldn't. Yeah, they're just too big. Okay. I mean, there. I'm sure there are pluckers out there oh. that you could put them in, but the one that we borrowed and the one that we will buy, which is basically like the one we borrowed, 
it, they won't fit. But okay. my plan for most of the turkeys, though, is to grind them up into turkey burger. Yep, ground um, turkey is useful. Yes. And I have a meat grinder for my kitchen aid. So mm-hmm. I also put in the order for that and requested all heritage birds. So I'll be able to do like one at a time if I want to. Oh, nice. Yeah, because they can hang around a little longer. Yeah. Yes. And keep yeah. some of them back so I can hatch my own. Nice. I like that nice. idea. I'm looking forward to seeing a Tom running around your yard. Yes. I like their feathers. Makes me go like this. Probably multiple. <laughs> Name him Dandy. Dandy. <laughs> Dandy Randy. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe then I'll have some good turkey stories, like some of the people in our Facebook group. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, all birds are hilarious. I've been mm-hmm. a big fan of raising them. It's on topic. So last night I was out and someone asked me if we were going to process our own meat chickens. I was like, yeah, we've done it a couple times before. And he was like, ooh, cold. I was like, no, not really. (laughs) No. It's different. It's definitely Mm -hmm. different. I was surprised. Like, it's sad. Don't get me wrong. And I did feel a little bad. But you kind of get over that pretty quick. What surprised me was that I got a little grossed out when I was eating it. Oh, so I don't think that that's necessarily uncommon. Yeah. And in fact, like, that is kind of one of the things that I feel like has been true for me. When I raise the animals here myself and do the processing myself, I do appreciate it more and that I'm more careful in how I use it. Yes. So, like, I won't end up wasting Mm -hmm. a ton of it. But I can totally see getting grossed out by the first couple. Um, And I've had that happen too because they are a little different than grocery store or like if you go to the butcher. They're better at getting all the stuff and they're better at cleaning them up nicer. Mm -hmm. Whereas I find that myself, even when I'm like, you know, quartering or I'm doing the, the different sections, like... Mine always just end up with more bloody veins in them or more. Yes. And and some of that is skill. So that always yeah. grosses me out just a little bit. But I think that with time, you get better at those types of things mm-hmm. so that you don't get grossed out by those funky things that you run into because you just don't run into them. But also, I do think it's something that you just kind of have to get used to. And yeah. one way you can get over that is have someone else cook it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you could get Matt to cook some of the chicken for a little yeah. bit, then you didn't see it come out of the freezer. And I know that sounds really weird, but it totally worked yeah. for me when I was pregnant. When I was pregnant with Aurora, I could not cook the meat and eat it. Oh. I would start to take bites and I would just like gag. Like my oh, body so- was physically Strange. rejecting it. Yeah. But yeah. if Jared cooked the meat, then I could eat it. Okay. So I want to say that it might be something similar. Like, cause your brain's yeah. just like storing all of that and you need to get over that mental roadblock. Yeah. Like I was so excited. Like I pulled it out of the fridge cause I let it rest for like a day. So I pulled it out. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And like, I think I just cooked too many things at once. So the breasts were done. But the leg-thigh combinations were not. And, like, I was, like, 
And I like bit into it to kind of test it because I was like, it says it was hot enough, but maybe I didn't stick the thermometer in the right place. And like I spit it out. So I had that mental. But then I was like, you know what, let's eat some of the salad and potatoes and the chicken breast because that was done. But like even as eating the cooked chicken breast, I was like, had that mental of, oh my God, this thing was running around in my yard. And then I had my hand up its ass. And then (laughs) I pulled all the guts out. And I looked at the testicles because we did all roosters. And then, because they were all bigger. Yeah. So I figured, just don't risk their legs snapping. And then, like, I I was just like, it kind of like had to process it. And they'd be like, no, this is why you did this. Was so that you could have it in your, you know, in your freezer. And you did everything except for, like, carry them here through the mail. (laughs) You didn't birth them. <laughs> yes. But like by the end of eating the chicken breast, I was like not gagging. And then I had a chicken wing and it was freaking delicious. So like I had to get there, but now I'm a little gun shy about the thigh leg combination. So I need to split those apart. I think that'll help me. But I didn't want to waste it, but I was convinced it still wasn't done being cooked even after putting it in for 30 more minutes or mm-hmm. 20 more minutes. I gave it back to the chickens. Oh, it didn't go to waste. That's so they ate, their, they ate their brother and sister, I guess, or their brother, which <laughs> yeah. was a little morbid, but I didn't want it to go to waste. No. Because you're right. I do treasure that meat differently in my freezer and look at it differently than I do the frozen chicken breast that I get from Walmart. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. So it'll be interesting to see how long those 30 birds last. <laughs> Yeah. But my next round, I asked to come around the first week of February. So by end of April, I will have to have enough freezer space for them. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Long can't even, but I wanted to let you guys know how that went. And I'll try to get some YouTube videos up to so you guys can learn from a newbie and maybe somebody can point out something that I could be doing better too. So I'm all about efficiency. That's how we learn. <laughs> yes. I forgot to, I haven't looked at the calendar. I don't know when I'm supposed to do mine. I think mine's the week before Thanksgiving. I probably Ooh. should have just taken that whole week off because my plan is to do the chickens for Thanksgiving instead of a turkey. That's right. Yes. So I did not order a turkey this year. So I hope that the chickens are ready. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they will be. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to be too. They're pretty big. It's time for mine to move outside. Mm. They are still in a barn stall. That's just because I haven't had the time to move them. But I'm planning, I'm going to put them in my chicken coop. And then I'm going to put the temporary ranging gates back out so that the flock and the meat chickens can be, like, quote unquote, free ranging. They're fenced, but they, you know, have grass. It's more space. Yeah. Yeah, more space. So it's not raining today. So I'll go out and mow around the coop and get that set up. And then maybe I can move them tomorrow. I won't move them tonight because our first frost is supposed to be tomorrow morning. So I'll wait to move the chickens outside until it's not a frost. (laughs) That way they can slowly acclimate to the 30 degrees. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, because they'll be sleeping outside the coop. I've got like a covered, it's a covered run that they'll sleep in. So they'll sleep separately from the egg chickens just because my egg chickens are mean. I have a feeling my egg chickens will pick on them. Probably. (laughs) Sassy bitches, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's right. 
All right. So make sure you send us your can't evens or farm stories in our Facebook group. You can also put those in an email to us at drinkandfarmatgmail.com. Also, we do have a phone number. I know we talk about it occasionally in some of our commercial spots, but I got an email (laughs) from Google Voice telling us they were going to cancel our number unless I called somebody from it. So I called myself a couple times yesterday, but we haven't had a voicemail since like April. So if somebody is like itching to ask us a question or itching to tell their farm story and not type it out, do that. You can call our phone number. We'll make sure it's in the show notes. Yep. And be sure and leave us a review. We read one Apple podcast review on the show per a week. And the review lever gets put into a hat so that they have a chance to win an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will not be in the shop. And I have been loving people sharing their coffee mugs on Instagram, by the way. I've seen a couple purchased coffee mugs that have been shared, and those are awesome. But if you have been a mug winner, please feel free to share your exclusive coffee mug, because if I see it, I'll totally reshare it. (laughs) Yes. We have no review this week. I will have to double check and see if we had any for October's episodes. (laughs) There may not be a winner. Yes. Hmm. But that means you can go leave your review for November if you haven't left one yet. So you can be entered to win. Because you want that mug. It is so cute. Oh, it's super cute. I don't even have it. You guys need it. (laughs) I don't have it either. And before it leaves the shop, you definitely want to go get that Halloween magic Mm. mug. I got to figure out, I need to just like start a highlight or something on our Instagram because the video that Ashley Davis did of her Keurig filling that magic mug where, so the magic mug is all black and as her Keurig is filling the cup, the design is coming to life on the outside of the mug and it's just so cool. I saw it and I was like, why don't I have that mug? I know, same. (laughs) I was, after I saw that, I was like, I need to get that mug before we take it out of the shop (laughs) yeah yeah unfortunately we can't even own everything that's in the shop because it's just so much but we try to get them eventually yeah definitely have our favorites so make sure you head on over to patreon become a patron if you're not already and if you're at the five dollar level or above you're gonna get access to our exclusive weekly show called straight no chaser it's generally about five to ten minutes and we just give it to you straight with some fun topics. So go to patreon.com slash drink and farm. It's a great way to support the podcast and get a little something, something extra from us. And be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because this helps more people like you find the podcast. And while you're listening to us, you can share that you're listening over on your Instagram stories and tag us at drink and farm. We're going to send you a promo code just for that episode. It'll give you a percentage off in the shop. And you want to do that because we're about to launch all of our holiday merch. And oh my gosh, we tried to narrow it down and failed miserably. So there's going to be so many options. We went balls to the walls this year Mm -hmm. with our holiday. We went big instead of going home. Yeah. Just for you. Oh my gosh, it's so cute. There's some really cool, unique stuff. Yeah, (laughs) and I'll, I'll drop a little spoiler because we're not sure how it's going to be received, but we do have some kid sizes and stuff this year. So get excited because I am and I don't even have kids. 
Yeah, I literally have <laughs> no one to send those to. Actually, no, I take that back. I'm sure that I do somewhere. But we did some, we, we did kid-appropriate designs. Yes. In the kids' yes. stuff. The, the kids' stuff does not say drink on it. No. Because we do not believe in... Children should, toddlers should not be drinking anything but milk. Yeah, uh, and then, and I don't know. I just, like, I don't really like those jokes either. Like, yes. yeah, I don't know. They just rub me the wrong way personally. Um, so I don't even like to pretend <laughs> like kids yes. drink anything other than milk and water. <laughs> Maybe some juice. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's yes. right. So we were really careful about what we picked for the kids' designs, but we're really, really excited about them. Yeah. And I guess another spoiler is some of them are ugly sweater inspired. Yes. They're really good. <laughs> yes. So we are aiming to have those out next week for everyone. Our patrons and people signed up for our newsletter might get earlier access than everybody else. So be ready. Yep. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, so if you want that early access, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash drinkandfarm. Or you can get on our newsletter, and there is a link on the website to do that. And make sure you take a look at all of our show notes to find links to the articles we discussed today, a survey to tell us how we're doing, links to our social media, and that merch shop. Very important. So make sure you look at those. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. Thanks so much for hanging out with us for our special spooky Halloween episode. Yes. Have a safe and happy Halloween mm-hmm. if you celebrate. I realize probably not everybody celebrates, but yeah. <laughs> if you do, eat some extra candy for us. Mm-hmm. And until next time, drink, farm, and, and give, give zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink.